Welcome to episode 13 of Agents of Everything. We are operating under the title Sources of Knowledge and Wisdom today. Sources of Knowledge and Wisdom. And what I'm basically going to be sharing with you is a model from the Armenian mystic George Gurdjieff, which I think is going to be very useful for you if, like me, you are somebody who is interested in deepening your knowledge of yourself and the world, how everything works, for the purpose of enhancing your capacity and your capability to engage with it in generative ways, right? Deep knowledge of how stuff works that enriches your engagement with things. That, by the way, is essentially my definition of wisdom. We're going to look a little bit more at that, the difference between wisdom, knowledge, and information, along with Gurdjieff's model. Now, I'm focusing in on this specific area, and in part, I want to get back to my original intention with Agents of Everything. When I started this podcast, my plan was to do sort of 15, 20-minute episodes focusing on very specific ideas. What's tended to happen is the episodes have expanded out, and I've been sharing more and more in each episode. And I'm not knocking that, nothing wrong with that. That's one way of doing things, but I want to bring it back in just so things don't keep expanding and expanding and expanding. There's another reason for this. I actually recorded a different episode 13 on a different topic that had so many ideas in, was so rich with different ideas. And I was using some current events as a vehicle for those ideas. And I realized those current events were controversial and therefore would close down possibly 50% of the minds who might listen to it. And I'll say right here that this choice was partly informed by an experience that a good friend of mine had, John Patrick Morgan. John lives on Maui. Now, obviously the Maui fires have been a terrible thing, awful catastrophe. In amongst this awful catastrophe, there's been a lot of people more and more coming up with various different theories as to what's happened and often ascribing that to nefarious practices on the part of unnamed or unknown conspirators, i.e. these were intentional acts. And John's seen a lot of paranoia, maybe a lot of fear, certainly, on the island. And John's been very much involved in helping people out on a pragmatic level. What he's wanted to do is get help to the people who need help. But he's also seen a lot of fear taking hold. Now, in the video that John put out, he talked about one of the conspiracy theories, which is that there was a directed energy weapon that set off some of these fires. Now, John happens to think this is unlikely, right? On balance of probability, he thinks, given the evidence he's seen, it's probably not that, it's probably something else. But that wasn't the point of his video. The point of his video was to share some wisdom because he wanted to help people, help people escape from fear, right? And reconnect with being able to live into the world and create the differences they wanted to make. It was a vehicle for wisdom, but because he picked this particular topic, all the argument around the video in the comments section ended up being about whether it was or wasn't true that there was a directed energy weapon and all of this kind of thing, or whether John was an idiot, whether John was a co-conspirator. Some people even accused him of being obviously a part of the conspiracy and they named the apparent evidence they could see why and all of this kind of thing. You know, and what struck me about that is John had inadvertently, and this isn't a criticism of John, he'd picked the wrong vehicle for his message. 
And it seemed like a good vehicle to pick because that's what's happening at the moment. And John's just creating with what's happening in the moment. But the thing is, it was a, now I said, there's a distinction here to be had between knowledge, information, and wisdom. John's intention was to share wisdom. And we'll talk more about what that specifically is. But people took that as being a video about information. So they were arguing about the information that John apparently was sharing whilst completely missing the wisdom. Now, the episode I was going to put out was responding to a Washington Post article about whether conspiracy consciousness has gone mainstream. And it was talking about the rich men north of Richmond song that's kind of blown up in the US. So I was talking about that. I was talking about also some of the stuff that's going on on Maui. And I recognized I was falling into the same trap that John was falling into. I wanted to share some useful things for people who are looking to empower themselves as creators in the world, as co-creators of a good life in this world. And I recognized that I was picking topics that might have people start reading things into it and reacting on a more kind of informational level. And I don't want to do that because my job is not to close minds, right? My aim, my intention is to open minds, not so I can tell people how things are, not so I can feed information in, but so I can invite people to look at things in a variety of different ways and create their own conclusions about what works for them in terms of life and how they might engage with the world. And obviously I'm always going to come from my biases. So I decided that with that episode, instead of me sharing, there were a lot of ideas in that episode, I would share them individually in individual podcasts and separate them off from the material that may create reactions to close minds. However, if you are curious about that topic, has conspiracy consciousness gone mainstream, I might be drawn out to engage with that at some point because it is an important thing to look at. You know, when it comes to sense making, we want to make sense of the world. A lot of the time people can look out at the world and go, well, why is this thing happening? And conspiracy is an answer that can sometimes come to mind. And sometimes there's going to be some truth in that. And other times it can get wild. And the question is, how do we know the difference? As somebody said to me the other day, how can you tell the difference between a conspiracy that's real and a conspiracy that's just like made up in your mind? How do you how do you pan out that information, right? But that's a different topic. We're not going to be diving into that today. We're going to look at this Gurdjieff model, this model around influences. And we're going to look a little at the difference between wisdom, information, and knowledge. And that's a lot to cover in this episode already. A couple of announcements though, before I get really into the topic. First announcement, I want to say thank you to everybody last Sunday who came on the first Agents of Everything Nexus call. The Nexus was running for a year before it became the Agents of Everything Nexus. So this is the first Agents of Everything Nexus call. It was a fantastic call, had some great questions, and we dived into some fantastic topics. If you're interested in joining the Agents of Everything Nexus, it's a monthly open frame Q&A. You get to engage with me through that. You also get access to about 270-odd additional sessions, which are relevant to non-linear generative engagement, engaging with the world in creative ways that are empowering to you if you're looking to bring about a good life for yourself. So there's all of that. And by, and by the way, the Nexus really is also open license to ask me any questions at any time. And that's how those audio sessions that are in the archive get created from people asking questions, or a lot of them do. 
So there's that going on there. And I invite you to engage with that. There'll be a link somewhere on the Substack if you want to look into that. And I also want to just say something about my friend, James Sakaros is running his spiral somatics immersion in London in 2023. People who have been engaging with my work for a number of years will know that spiral somatics was hugely transformative for me. I've gone through that spiral somatics process several times myself. And really spiral somatics is about developing the ability to embody different worldviews and value sets and come from those and communicate from those. So it develops a lot of personal flexibility and enhances your ability on the most superficial level to get rapport with people and influence people by being able to connect into and speak from and live from and move from their worldviews. It's very, very mind expanding training. I don't get any kickback from that. I just endorse it because I think it's fantastic. I'll put a link by the way, to a video where I was talking about that about five years ago. And just as a point aside here, you will probably notice in that video that my voice is very different from how it is now. And uh, I keep meaning to do something on this because it always strikes me when I listen to material from a few years back, how much my voice has changed. Some people have theorized recently that I'm, I'm, I'm now an artificial intelligence. I'm not, or maybe I am, maybe we're all artificial intelligences, you know, I'm, but I'm still largely a continuation of the same me that was, but my voice has changed and there are reasons for that. Spiral somatics might in fact be related to that, but I can't say that hundred percent for sure. But if you're interested in checking that out, that is a phenomenally transformative training. If you have any questions about that, obviously you can ask James directly. But you can ask me as well. As I say, I don't get any kickback from endorsing it. I just think it's fantastic and very, very rare stuff. Okay, let's move on with the topic of this podcast, this Gurdjieff model. And yeah, let's begin. So what we've got here, I want to share with you this Gurdjieff model. I also want to look at this distinction of wisdom versus information versus knowledge. First things first. The Gurdjieff model that I'm going to share is based on the idea, and this is really central to Gurdjieff's work, that we human beings are constantly being influenced by the world around us, right? Constantly influenced by the world around us. We think we are thinking independent thoughts all the time, but really we're constantly being fed ideas, fed thoughts. It's the events that unfold around us. It's the media that we engage with, the conversations we have with other people, the books we read, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. It's constantly influencing us. And we have this sort of illusion that we're independent and that we're passing that information through our critical faculty and all of this, but we're really not. And that most people actually go through the world asleep, just simply being influenced, right? And they actively seek out certain influences as well. Now, this is more relevant now to us in the 21st century than it was when Gurdjieff was talking about it. Most people are on social media, when they go on stuff like YouTube and this kind of thing, they have an account and that account feeds them stuff. They have a news feed or a homepage or whatever with some algorithms feeding them stuff that the algorithm has figured out they're likely to consume because it's already resonant with the way they see the world. Right? So we're fed stuff. We're not making awake, conscious, intentional choices. We're just responding passively to what we're being fed. And that stuff is likely to be resonant for what we already believe. So it doesn't really create much transformation. It is just information, right? Think about those two words. Transformation changes the form. If it changed the form of how we think, that would be transformation. 
information just goes into the form of how we already think and kind of reinforces that, or at least that's one way of looking at that word. So I've said this before myself, we swim through a sea of hypnosis every day, right? Gurdjieff would say a sea of influence, or maybe he'd use a different metaphor, but it's the same kind of idea. You know, if you're an LP train, you'll have heard or you'll be aware of, or you'll remember that central tenet of NLP, one of the foundational tenets, you cannot not communicate. Well, likewise, you cannot not be influenced. You cannot not be influenced. You cannot disconnect yourself from the world around you and its influences. What Gurdjieff would encourage is not disconnecting oneself, but waking up, becoming aware of how you're influenced and what influences are acting upon you so that you can become discerning in which influences you choose to let in and which influences you choose to let out. So that doesn't happen on autopilot or as a result of a newsfeed or anything like that. And he also encourages that you choose your influences with a certain discernment that's going to, that's going to assist you in connecting to the wisdom and the knowledge that's going to serve you. And maybe the information sometimes that's going to serve you. So we're going to look at Gurdjieff's model around this. First of all, though, I'm going to talk about the difference between wisdom, knowledge, and information, or one way you can look at these three different things. First things first, information. For me, I take information to be pretty much anything that comes our way. It could be spoken to us. Somebody could say, I went to the supermarket today and there was no milk on the shelves, right? That's information. Okay. Now that information might be reliable. It might not be reliable, but it's information. It's just, it doesn't deepen my understanding of the world. It just gives me some details about the superficial arrangement of things, right? Somebody might say, you know, there's a new head of department coming in and they're going to radically shake things up. That's information. Now, information is useful. We need information sometimes because we want to make choices about things. If I'm going to go out and get some milk, I want to know if there's no milk in the local supermarket, so I don't waste my journey. But information isn't always reliable either. Somebody can give us bogus information. You know, one of the things that we're often reading about these days or hearing about is misinformation and disinformation, all of this. And, you know, what's good information, what's bad information? Because one of the things about information is people feed information that is misdirecting intentionally for all manner of reasons. It happens, right? In an everyday sense, we sometimes call it lying misinformation, right? Or disinformation is lying. Right? Misinformation is mistakes. Okay. So information is something that is useful to us, but it doesn't develop us. It doesn't change us. It doesn't evolve us. It just helps us make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's very important. And therefore we have an appetite for it. To me, wisdom is different. Now you could argue that wisdom is a type of information, but wisdom to me is a shift in how we see things. It's a shift in deeper sense-making and it's specifically a shift in deeper sense-making that enables us to operate differently and more effectively in the world. 
right? Wisdom is, un, is, is change in understanding that enables us to operate more effectively. Now, I would say you can have area-specific wisdom, right? And uh, so maybe let's say I am, well, I am a martial artist, right? And the more I practice and the more I spar with people and the deeper my understanding gets, the more I start to see things in ways that, that help me spar better, be more effective. Now, there's a distinction in that between wisdom and knowledge as well. So if I'm a martial artist, I might get some new knowledge about a throw or something like that, some extra throws, some extra moves, this kind of thing. This could be new knowledge. This isn't just information, by the way, it's knowledge. And it's knowledge because it's something I embody. It's something I'm able to do. It's deeper. Let me just pull back a second and, and, and say what I consider knowledge to be. Knowledge versus information. Knowledge to me is embodied. Somebody said to me the other day, how, how can you know what's what in the world, right? If the map is not the territory, how can you know what's what? I said, well, people try and put knowledge into this left brain framework, like as if there are declarative statements about what is or isn't so to constitute knowledge. But in a sense, we all have deep knowledge of life because we are in life. We are connected to life. To me, there's this knowledge, this deep knowledge, which has got nothing to do with the words we use to describe things or the statements we make about things. It's a being in things, right? So if you have a deep relationship with another person, you know that person, not because of the statements you can make about them or the biographical facts you give about them. It's because you have experience of being with them. And that goes way beyond words and is not predicated upon words. So I would say knowledge, if you, if you develop knowledge in any area, in any discipline, that knowledge is, is, it comes from a participation in that discipline, right? A knowing is a being in sort of a thing. Yes, you can make statements about that knowing, but those statements are never the knowing itself. So this is what I mean by knowledge. And wisdom is like, it's that extra level that goes beyond, you might have knowledge of strategies and tactics and all of these kind of things. But there's a deeper sense, which is when to deploy things, right? Deeper heuristics, these are wisdom. Now you get this in any area, right? You can have wisdom in any particular area, or you can have general life wisdom. Now people often think, well, wisdom is something you accrue as you get older because you have more experience. And this is largely where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes from experience. Nobody gets wisdom about something they're not engaged in, right? And not engaged consciously in. So when people engage with something with an intention to be able to do it better, understand it better, they will start to gain wisdom. But they can also sort of receive wisdom from other people who have walked that path as well but that wisdom won't mean anything to them if they're not engaged with it themselves. Okay, so what I mean by this is I could meet a wise martial arts master who could give me all sorts of wisdom. They could, they could tell me things about martial arts, but if I'm not doing martial arts, if I'm not engaged myself, that wisdom won't be able to transfer, right? I could also engage in a martial arts practice myself and gain wisdom about that without it being imparted to me from a teacher. But I can also combine the two. And then if I have a teacher that accelerates my 
my own wisdom development in that area. Okay. So there's three contrasting things we're talking about. Wisdom, knowledge, and information. Okay. Almost everybody has an appetite for information, but not everybody has an appetite for wisdom. Right? This is an interesting thing to observe. My guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somebody who has an appetite for wisdom and not just an appetite for information. If you had an appetite for information, you'd be trawling some current affairs site or you'd be reading a gossip column or something like that. And this brings us to Gurdjieff's model of influences. So Gurdjieff observed that there are basically, under this model, there are three types of influence upon us in the world. There are A influences, B influences, and C influences. Okay, so no fancy titles, all very basic, A, B, C. I guess it could have been one, two, and three, or whatever. But he went for A, B, and C. So an A influence is the most common type of influence. It's what I would call an informational influence. But it's just this superficial stuff. What's going on? What's happening where and when? And a good example of this kind of information is gossip. It's gossip. Why do people seek out gossip? Why are we human beings driven to seek out gossip? Now, when I say we human beings, I'm talking about us, obviously, I'm generalizing. There'll be some people listening to this going, I have absolutely no interest in gossip whatsoever. If you have zero interest in gossip whatsoever, fantastic. I believe you. I have very low interest in gossip, but even from time to time, I'm like, you know, I get curious about why did they do that then? Or what happened to so-and-so? Okay. So I'm aware that somewhere buried deep within me, there seems to be an impulse towards gossip. And if I look out there in the world and the world of popular culture, a lot of it seems gossip based. So there seems to be a huge appetite for gossip, right? I'd say, you know, I have a low interest in gossip. I find myself watching videos from time to time, which have, you know, gossip about what's going on behind the scenes in a film industry or something like that. And it's just like, it's not quality information. It's just gossip. Now, what did I just say there? I just caught myself. It's not quality information. It's gossip. How do we choose? How do we differentiate between quality information and gossip? In fact, do you watch the news? Do you read the news? Do you consume news media of any kind, mainstream or alternative? Let me ask you this. Is this quality information or is this gossip? Right? Now, I'm not saying I know the answer to that. I'm not giving you the answer. I'm just giving you that question. Is the news quality information or is it gossip? The stuff they share on the news, is that everything that's happening? Is it just the information that inform you? Or is it a curated selection spun in a particular way, perhaps spun to the tastes of the demographic that consume that particular source of news media, right? And what's the purpose of that news media? Is it there to really inform people or is it product? Is it there to draw people, to hook people in, right? And beyond that, there are questions of how might that then be used to start influencing and shaping people's worldview? Should the people behind certain news media organizations, big or small, have an intention to do so? Those are other questions. But Gurdjieff will point out these are all A influences. And I think it would be fair to say that Gurdjieff had a reasonably low opinion of A influences and would suggest to people, if you want to truly develop in your life, 
you do not take up your bandwidth consuming A influences or allowing a lot of A influences in the gossip of the world, right? Information about what may or may not be going on. You don't get to know anyway beyond the stories, which comes back to the kind of conspiracy theory stuff that I did do the other episode on, but we're not going to dive into. So there's A influences. Now, contrasting with A influences are B influences. Now, what are B influences? B influences are essentially sources of wisdom. Okay. And those are going to be different for different people. It might be holy books for some people. It might be self-development books for other people. It might be books on chaos magic for some people, right? But whatever it is, it's sources of information that are leading us to something deeper, something richer. They're trying to enhance our understanding of the world, not just the bits and pieces that are happening in the world, but fundamentally, how does the world work? And what might be some good ways of engaging with it? To really help us to make the differences that we want to make. So these B influences, they're sources of wisdom, but they are remote sources of wisdom. They are secondhand sources of wisdom. They have gone through some medium, be it video, be it audio, be it print form, whatever it might be. Okay. So we're separated from the source. So we might read a book, somebody might read the Bible or the Upanishads or, or the Quran or something like that, and they're getting something from that. They're getting whatever they're getting from it. Or they might listen to, I don't know, like Cartole or something, right? It's a B influence. So Gurdjieff suggests that this is a much, much healthier way to spend your time, right? Instead of consuming A influences, opening yourself continually to A influences, is you start closing yourself off to more of those A influences, at least turning the faucet almost off on them, and instead attending to B influences. So what are C influences? C influences are also wisdom-based influences, but they are different yet again in that they are influences from direct connection and interaction. And Gurdjieff truly believed that there was a different level of transmission that occurred when you actually engage with a teacher or a guide in person, live, exchanging, right? He would say there's a, a different level of interaction. Gurdjieff, you know, he was this Armenian mystic, but he had gone on a journey in his life. He'd met many mystics and teachers, and he'd had a lot of personal teachers. And he recognized the difference between when you connect with somebody in person, you get this transmission that you don't get otherwise. Now I've had this experience myself. I'm very much interested in B influences and C influences. I'm very much interested in deepening my knowledge, my understanding of the world and developing wisdom, right? I'm never comfortable saying that because it seems arrogant to say I have wisdom, all right? But I'm aware that's just a egoic reaction. Any wisdom that I might hold, I don't claim this like some special product of my amazingness. A lot of it's just received from engagement and it's received from other people who have walked the path before me, right? B influences and C influences. I know the difference between a B influence and a C influence, right? You know, I often reference Steve Chandler, who mentored me some years ago, 
Steve Chandler's got some fantastic books. He's got some fantastic audios. I've got a lot from his books and his audios, but that impact of engaging with him personally, there's a different level of transmission. I cannot say what medium that occurs through, but it definitely occurs, right? I noticed this, by the way, when I studied with John Rinder, his approach to NLP modeling. Now, John Rinder's approach to NLP modeling, implicit modeling, it's about going into a particular state and being with an exemplar and receiving from them in a particular way. Okay, I'm not going to go into the methodology of it. But you might think, or I certainly thought, well, I should be able to do this with video. I should be able to model people in the same way via video. But what I found at the time when I did this modeling with John Grinder, I was playing in some bands. I was playing in a blues band, actually. And there was a very good jazz and blues guitarist in the band. And I found that I was, I was developing my guitar playing by being with him and using this modeling method. I could get stuff transferring from him in a way that I couldn't get via watching videos of guitar players. So there's something about being with people that enables a different level of transmission. I had a martial arts teacher years ago. He used to talk about keys, receiving certain keys from teachers. You could never get him to be specific about what these keys were. They were a non-verbal thing that you'd receive and it would unlock something and everything would change, right? And I'm a big believer in this idea of keys. I might do another episode on keys another time, but I'm not going to get into it right here. So you can receive keys a lot more easily through C influences than you can through B influences, and you will receive no keys through A influences. Okay, so this is really the model. Now, it's offered by Gurdjieff because Gurdjieff's there saying, look, it pays to live an awakened life. Gurdjieff's whole thesis was most people are sleepwalking through life. You want to wake up, you want to live consciously. But if you want to live consciously, if you want to choose, if you want to better your life, one way to do this is to start being discerning about the kind of influences you open yourself to because you will be influenced, right? I do some work with military veterans and I don't know what to call that work. I've often called it change work across the years, but I'm starting to have some different thoughts about that frame. So I don't quite know what you call it. It's catalyzing work. People come and see me or they come and see the organization, Rock to Recovery. I'm working with that organization. So people I work with, they come and see me when they feel stuck, when they feel life's got on top of them, where they just, you know, they don't know what's what, what's up, what's down. And they come and see me. And some of what I might do, it could be process work, NLP process work, this kind of thing. But a lot of what I'm doing is I'm being a C influence for them. And this is something that Robert Keegan, the developmental psychologist, Robert Keegan talks about with his immunity to change work. He, when he's talking about therapists, the role that therapists can play as transformative catalysts in people's lives is one of the things they offer is a different language culture that somebody can come and hang out in, right? Language culture. That's the term that uh, Keegan uses. I might use the term reality tunnel. So when I'm working with the military vets uh, Rob's Recovery, they get to come and hang out in a very different reality tunnel from the one they're hanging out in in their everyday life. And the reality tunnel I'm inviting them to come and hang out in has different possibilities, different options, and different choices, right? And it's a reality tunnel which fundamentally puts people in touch with their power, okay? 
Now, somebody will say, well, are you doing hypnosis there? In a sense, I am, because I'm going to speak and communicate and engage with them from that reality tunnel, and I'm inviting them into it implicitly. And if they engage, you could call that a kind of conversational hypnosis, right? But that's a different conversation to be had. But Keegan would point out that is the transformative value of therapy. Somebody hanging out in a different reality tunnel that contains different options, different possibilities, new ways of seeing, new ways of being. They are seeking out a sea influence. Now, of course, not all sea influences are equal. And in a sense, I mean, this is kind of, I guess this is off topic, I don't know. One of the big shifts that's occurred for me across the years, because I taught people change work skills for a long time and hypnosis skills. And a lot of people come and they learn change work and hypnosis skills. And they're good things to learn in and of themselves. But I've been trying to say for years that where you're coming from in yourself, your own ground of being is every bit as important as the skills, right? So I encourage people who are engaged in developing themselves as transformative catalysts for others, that they do their own work. They do deep work. They become interested in wisdom, not merely techniques for changing other people's minds, right? And by the way, I'm going to say this right now. In the last Nexus call, I'm going to do a shameless plug, but it relates to what we're talking about here. In the last Nexus call, there was a chap in the call, and he'd been in the Nexus for like a year since it started out. So before it was the Agents of Everything Nexus. And he said, I want to thank you, James, for everything you've shared in the Nexus. And I want to thank you for that because it's made such a difference to me in my life. Also, it's really helping me do some very rewarding stuff with other people. And he told a story of somebody he knew who had rheumatoid arthritis and had suffered with chronic pain for many, many years. And that he'd had a conversation with this person or several conversations, really just sharing some of the ideas that we've been exploring in the Nexus about how we create our engagement with the world and our experience of the world. He'd had conversations and they would be conversations sharing wisdom that he had developed and in part his engagement with the nexus had helped him develop that wisdom okay but that sharing had changed this person's experience of their rheumatic pain he said she's not entirely pain-free but it's made an absolutely huge difference to her now here's the thing that struck me about this i also have run other programs live programs for change work practitioners teaching them change work techniques the nexus is not for change work practitioners. It is not for people looking to be better at affecting change with others. It is about self-transformation. It's about creating yourself to be the creator of the life that you want to live, right? And yet that material had created a shift in seeing and being in this person, or at least participate in that creation of a shift so that they could then become a sea influence for somebody else. That's the key thing. It wasn't about the techniques they used. They didn't use some wonderful technique to dissolve the chronic pain. They were able to be a sea influence for somebody. Now, if you look at this in terms of people who are transformative catalysts, I'm going to give three examples of people who have a reputation. They're all dead, all three dead people. Reputation for being incredible transformative catalysts. 
First one I'm going to give is Phineas Quimby. And I mentioned Phineas Quimby, I think, somewhere the other day, but he was the guy that really kicked off the whole new thought movement that led to the law of attraction and all of this kind of stuff. But originally he was interested in health. And I'm not going to give his full story here, but he developed a reputation for being able to apparently cure a lot of health conditions through having a conversation with people. This is what he would do. Now, on the Gurdjieff bottle, we could say that Quimby was being a key influence. Using the idea of my old martial arts teacher, he was able to give people some keys to transform their experience and dissolved away the holding patterns that were keeping their ill health in place. Right now, Phineas Quimby ended up with a huge client roster having a big impact on people simply by word of mouth because he was this see influence, this transformative influence. So second example I'm going to give of this is the legendary hypnotherapist, Milton H. Erickson. And so many people study Ericksonian language patterns, Ericksonian hypnosis. But if you read one of my favorite books on Milton H. Erickson is called An American Healer. And it's written by lots of people. It's people that knew Erickson, that met Erickson. Instead of people talking about his therapeutic methods, it's just, I met Erickson and here's the difference he made in my life. Here's how Erickson changed my life. There are countless stories of people who knew Erickson, not even necessarily clients. Some were clients, some worked for him as a gardener, some, you know, people he just met somewhere. And they experienced change in themselves as a result of engaging with Erickson. Why? Because he was a sea influence. And so being with him changed their seeing and changed their being. Okay, it wasn't magic. It wasn't because of his special language patterns. They may have been somewhere in a mix. Another example of this is Sidney Banks of Three Principles fame. You know, and, and I might do again, I've said I'll do a, a Three Principles episode at some point, but Sidney Banks, he's this guy in the 1970s. He's an uneducated Scottish welder who was at the time living in Canada, working in a paper pulp mill. And he has this insight, this mind shift occurred. Suddenly he is seeing the world differently and being in the world differently. People that knew Banks at the time described a huge change in how he was in the world, how he lived in the world. And he became a lot calmer, a lot more grounded. And he started trying to talk to people about this shift he'd experienced and what he'd seen and how he was now seeing the world. But something about being with Banks, other people started to experience this shift themselves. This became known as the conversation. And this is the basis of what became the three principles. It's just having a conversation with somebody. But it's not what you say, it's where you have the conversation from. So three principles practitioners, when they get it, there's like a transmission. They sort of get the principles, so to speak. They they get this new way of seeing, this new way of being, and then they communicate with others from this, and they themselves become a sea influence in other people's lives. And by the way, I, I mean, I think the three principles is absolutely fantastic. It was huge for me in terms of both be influences. So I read a lot of three principles stuff and I had a particular mentor very briefly, but highly impactfully. I did about five sessions with Jamie Smart. And that really had a big impact on me as well. But to me, it's not the be all and end all. A lot of 3P people think, well, this is the, the be all and end all. For me, it wasn't the be all and end all, but it's powerful nonetheless. I'm just sharing it as an illustration of 
what a sea influence can be like. So this is uh, something to be aware of. You know, you might look in your own life and go, where am I seeking out A influences? You know, am I filling up my bandwidth with A influences? In which case, you're not going to get much transformation. You're not going to get much deepening of your own being in the world. Or maybe you're seeking out B influences, like you're listening to this podcast, you may read other things, or maybe you're seeking out C influences. Okay, so I'm going to wrap that. That wasn't bad. I'm looking at the timer here. I'm around 40 minutes on this one, a little bit tighter than I have been doing with the recent podcasts. My hope is you've got value from this. If you do value this, please do make sure you give it a rating on Apple or Spotify or whatever you listen on. If you haven't subscribed to the Substack yet on Agents of Everything, I would very much invite you to do so. Please do share your questions and comments via that. You're more than welcome to engage with the Nexus if you want to get more direct interaction with me. And beyond that, I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said right now. So I'm going to sign off and look forward to when we next connect.